Hello, I'm Alex Davies, founder of Wealth Club, and today I'm with Richard Power of Octopus Investments to talk about their AIM inheritance tax service. Hi, Richard. Hi, Alex. Tell me, what does the AIM inheritance tax service um, do for investors? Um, Well, simply, it's a portfolio of AIM-quoted companies. So those companies uh, floated on the alternative investment market of the London Stock Exchange. Um, And they do qualify for additional tax breaks in order to encourage people to invest in growth companies, small growth companies that are going to be that driver of uh, future GDP growth and employment in the UK. Um, so we've, we've put together a portfolio of companies to provide investors with, first, first and foremost, a growth portfolio, um, but secondly, to um, benefit from business property relief, which means that uh, the value of their portfolio will fall outside of their estate for inheritance tax purposes after two years, as long as it's held at the time of death. And typically, how many um, companies would you have in a portfolio? Uh, we build a portfolio with 25 to 30 companies uh, in it. That We think that's a, a suitable spread of risk within the portfolio. Um, we've been managing these portfolios uh, for now 15 years, um, and we've, we've, we've run them consistently along those lines with that number of companies within there. It enables you to get a suitable spread of sector exposure as well. And for investors who are not familiar with Octopus, um, Uh, Tell me a bit about Octopus and also about your own experience. Uh, Well, Octopus was founded uh, 20 years ago um, and it built its its reputation really on managing tax uh, products. So we're now the largest provider of venture capital trusts. Uh, we're the largest provider of business property relief products uh, as well. Um, since then, it has expanded into other areas of renewable energy, into property, um, and, and other, uh, other quoted investment funds as well. But at its core, um, we are still very focused on those tax mandates, and we see that as our area of expertise. Um, myself, I've been in, at Octopus now for 16 years. Um, so we've been, I've been, I launched an, and the, this portfolio service back in 2005 at Octopus. Um, before that, I, I had a career in small cap um, investing in, in unit trusts and investment trusts. Um, so I've been investing in AIM since it uh, was established in 1995. So tell me, what types of companies are you looking to invest in? What are the characteristics? Well, we focus on a specific type of business for this service because we're very conscious that this is naturally a high-risk product because it is an investment into smaller companies. So we want to manage that risk as best we can. So what we do is invest in businesses that we have as high a degree of confidence in as we, that we can get. So we're focusing on those businesses that are already profitable, are established, um, have an appropriate capital structure, they'll be dividend paying. So a lot of these are really quite grown up businesses that have been profitable for many, many years. In fact, some of the, the companies in the portfolio have been around for, for well over 100 years as well. Um, I think that's a good starting point to manage the underlying risk of the portfolio. Um, we're also looking for other characteristics, though, that, that mean that we, th- well, that make us believe that these companies are going to be more resilient, um, particularly during periods of economic headwinds. And, and here we are today um, facing a, an economic crisis at the moment. So we like companies with um, very high levels of recurring revenue, big order books going out many, many years. Uh, we like companies with a niche or proprietary product or service that are potentially global leaders in what they do as well. These businesses, again, tend to be more resilient during periods of economic headwind. 
And are there plenty of opportunities out there at the moment? There, there, are, uh, uh, there are plenty of opportunities. AIM's evolved a great deal, um, really since the financial crisis. So over the last 10 years or so, we've seen AIM mature and grow up. And there's significantly more companies across the alternative investment market that fit the criteria I've just described. There are certainly fewer companies on AIM, but uh, those that, that are on the market are more established and, and have those, that profile of profitability and dividend payment. And can you give me some examples of recent companies you've invested in and why? Yes, I mean, certainly. We, we've added a few companies this year to our list. Um, one would be Learning Technology Group. Um, it's an e-learning business, uh, has an array of corporate clients, both, uh, well, globally, actually, but um, growing very quickly in the US as well. Um, we've known the business for a long time. That's something else we like to do is, is get to know a business before it goes into our HT portfolios. In this case, um, Learning Technology reversed into a small AIM, uh, AIM company that was held by our Venture Capital Trust. Um, so we got to, we've got to know it over the last seven or eight years or so. Some of the concerns we had around putting it in the IHT portfolios have now been addressed in our minds. We were worried about the level of cyclicality of, of e-learning, and we've got more comfortable with that. The business has evolved and developed via some recent acquisitions, um, now has 65% recurring revenue. So it's got a much better profile for, uh, for entry into the inheritance tax portfolio service. Um, another example would be Dot Digital. Again, this is a company that uh, we backed through our UK microcap growth fund about 10 years ago. So a business we've got to know uh, previously. Its core product is Dot Mailer. Um, so it's a corporate communication tool, but it's expanded well beyond that. And, and uh, their customers can now uh, use any medium by which to, to communicate with their customers. And obviously, communication is, um, has uh, had a... Um, has gone up the agenda quite significantly for corporates um, in the last year or so. So again, it feels like it's in a very strong place. Again, very high levels of recurring revenue, about 85% recurring revenue. And what about some of the older companies? Are those the ones you've hold, held for years? There are some, some old stalwarts in there that continue to deliver the, the, that profit growth, which is exactly what we want. Um, our style is very much to become long-term co-owners of these businesses um, and allow them to, to really mature and develop into substantial, successful businesses. Um, so an example would be RWS Holdings, which has been in the portfolio since we launched the service in 2005. Um, it had profits of about $5 million, um, back then. Uh, their profits for the year to September 2020 will be in the region of $75 million. So you can see the growth that they've achieved over the years. Um, and we're very, very excited about the next stage of growth from where we are today. In fact, as recently as August, they announced they were acquiring a main listed business called SDL, which is a machine translation business. And that will um, contribute to that next leg of growth as well. There ought to be very earnings enhancing that acquisition once it's completed. And um, what about selling investments? Do you sell? Much. We do sell. Of course we sell. Um, that's one of the most important disciplines. Um, when investing in smaller companies, inevitably things go wrong and uh, unexpected events can impact businesses. Um, very relevant point today. Um, what we like to do is understand how a company can navigate through that and come out the other side. Um, but sometimes events um, move outside of the management's control and, and we feel that we do need to sell and move on. Um, so there are a number of instances where we do that. Historically, over the years, um, we've tended to lose at least one company to a bid every year. Um, we've tended to sell one or two companies every year. Um, and what we also do is top slice holdings, 
that have become disproportionately big in the portfolio. So if a company has been very successful and becomes 8% or 7% of the portfolio, we'll trim that down and, and give those clients another holding as well, which helps to realign the portfolios with the newer names that are going on our, our buy list as well. And you talked about um, the, characteristic, the characteristics of companies that you buy. What are the sort of characteristics of companies you avoid? What are the red flags? Well, it's just understanding the consistency um, uh, that, that the company is able to, um, able to produce for us. So that's why we have limited exposure to consumer. Some of the fashion-led businesses can come and go more quickly. Um, so that's why we like some of those that recurring revenue and those, those long order books going out many years. Um, we also want to avoid those surplus capacity providers that do very well in periods of economic growth, um, but when we do hit some headwinds, they're, they're, their sort of business can dry up and it can be quite difficult for them to sort of manage stock market expectations. So it's understanding how a business can reliably meet and or exceed its expectations each year and, and have we got that three to five year um, pathway, visibility of um, predictable growth. That's what we're ideally looking for. How's the pandemic been for you? Um, it's been um, uh, it's been very challenging for for everybody, and uh, you know we um, particularly for those people who have very bravely gone up and set up their own businesses, who have been right in the firing line. You know those leisure companies, the retail companies. Um, you know it, it's been incredibly challenging for, and it will have economic implications across the UK um, going into 2021, of course. Um, the characteristics I've described, though, have meant that we've been relatively resilient. Um, we've had one or two companies that have been very exposed to COVID, such as Young & Co Brewery, um, which is a freehold pub operator predominantly in London and the southeast. Um, we have every confidence it will trade through the crisis. Um, it's got a very high level of uh, freehold property backing. It's got a lot of liquidity. Um, there tend to be trophy sites across London and, and no doubt it'll come back stronger once the, this crisis is behind us. But in the meantime, they're having to deal with um, the, deal with the shutdown. Um, a lot of the software and computer services companies, business services companies, they're continuing to grow their profits, continuing to grow their revenues. Um, in fact, the, the, the core of the portfolio has been a lot more resilient than perhaps we expected when this first uh, hit us in March time. I'm talking to management teams in April, a lot were saying, well, realistically, we expect our, our revenues and profits to be down a little bit this year. But, it, but actually, they've since September have been updating the market, saying we're seeing continued growth, which has been really encouraging um, to hear. Would you say now is a good time to invest in AIM? Well, UK equities have been under the, in the doldrums and uh, the market's underperformed um, the, the global equity market for the last three or four years. Um, Brexit's been, um, uh, been muted as one of the reasons as well. Um, so we do feel that UK equities are under-owned at the moment and, and that money will come back into the market at some point. Um, a lot of companies are trading at 25-30% below where they were at the start of the year, despite what I've just explained, which is these businesses continuing to grow their profits and revenues in line with their original expectations. So we have seen a derating of a lot of those companies across the portfolio. Um, to give you an example, one of our longer term holdings, Next15 Communications was trading at around £6.30 um, in January, February time. Um, now the shares got very low in March, but they're, but they're only still back to £4.40. Now, next 15 will, will meet its growth expectations for this year. 
Um, it's got great growth, growth potential for the next five, three to five years. We think it's capable of its doubling its profits over that period. Um, so we do see now as a buying opportunity. And how risky is it um, investing in AIM and what you do? Well, we, uh, we try and minimise that risk, as I've explained, for investors by, by, by investing in those companies with certain characteristics. Um, the average market capitalisation of the businesses that we are investing in is about 750 million. So a lot of the portfolio would be the size and shape to be in the FTSE 250 if they're on the main list of the London Stock Exchange. So we're not going right down the market cap scale um, where we would argue the risk would be higher. Um, having run these portfolios for as long as we have, we've learned a lot through um, various cycles. The financial crisis, for example, the smaller companies in the portfolio um, were, were, were not as, as prepared to, to, to sort of manage that period as some of the larger, more established companies. So we have deliberately focused on those more robust, more solid companies. And I'm pleased to say that they all look in pretty good shape coming through the, through the COVID-19 crisis as a result of that. For someone who wants to invest in an AIM inheritance tax um, portfolio this year, um, why should they put their money with Octopus? Um, <laughs> Uh, we feel that it is our core competence that's um, running these tax portfolios. Um, as I've explained, it's, uh, it's the sort of focus of, of, of Octopus Investments, the company. Um, we've got um, one of the larger teams focused on the AIM market um, and certainly the track record we've got going back through um, economic cycles as well, I think uh, um, puts us well positioned and, and gives us the experience to, uh, to manage these portfolios in as appropriate way as possible. Richard Power of Octopus Investments, thank you very much. Thank you.